Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sin. I am a mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, and I am passionate about teaching you how to live a frugal, debt-free life. On this podcast, we talk about real life, real money situations, and how reality doesn't always fit inside of a cash envelope. So if you are ready to enter a non-judgmental space where you will not be shamed over your money choices, well, you found it. Welcome back. I am so glad you are here. I took a little break from podcasting, took the summer off, just needed to get some things together, but I am back with a brand new season of episodes and hopefully some fun and some guests. But today I wanted to talk to you about you and about your money background and how your life experiences shape your view on money. It can be hard to overcome some preconceived notions that we have about money when so much of our view on money has been colored by past experiences that are outside of our control, that are not based on choices that we necessarily made, but choices that we watched other people make or choices that were made for us or choices that we may have felt pressured into. And we carry around so much of that into adulthood and into our relationship with other people and certainly into our relationship with money. I had this thought when I was tucking my kids into bed a few weeks ago and I wrote it down and I wanted to share it with you. One of the reasons it doesn't bother me to live simply is because growing up there wasn't scarcity. So when I say it doesn't bother me to live simply, there are a lot of things that I don't do with money. There are, there are a lot of places I don't spend my money on and I'm okay with waiting. I'm okay with going without. I'm okay with, you know, here's an example. For a long time, my husband and I had these really crappy, uncomfortable couches that were given to us. And so in 2014, the end of 2014, we bought the house where we live now and we didn't buy any new furniture. We actually got rid of about half of our stuff and we moved into this house and we brought with us these ugly, uncomfortable couches that we had gotten for free. They were hand-me-down furniture, as is most of our furniture. And I, I'm i on YouTube. If you're somehow stumbling across this podcast and you don't know that, I have a YouTube channel. You can go check it out if you want. I'm Lydia Sin over there. But you could see the couches in the background of some of my videos and people would always comment, why are you telling me how to save money when you got those poor looking couches in the background? And it always made me chuckle. And I'm still that way. A few years ago, we bought a van. We bought it from our neighbor. It was very inexpensive. It didn't look the best, but we were able to pay cash for it. And we drove that thing for a couple years and it was great but it would always make me chuckle when I would pull into a function with my kids and I would be parked next to two luxury SUVs or in between two Honda Odysseys with my beat up Hyundai minivan. I didn't care. It was paid for and it was safe. And it just doesn't bother me to have things that maybe don't look as nice, but didn't cost me as much. Now I'm all about buying quality buy nice or buy it twice, things like shoes, backpacks, your refrigerator, like things that you're going to get a lot of play out of. 
But if I'm going to buy a used car, I, I really don't care if there are rust spots on the hood as long as I got a good price and it's safe. Growing up, there wasn't scarcity. My needs were always met. When I was a child, we were not wealthy. My parents were not wealthy by Western standards, but they were college educated and always employed. So really that depends on how you look at it. Some people would definitely view that as wealthy. You know, they had a college experience. They didn't struggle to find jobs. Life was easier because of that. We had safe and stable housing. We always had plenty to eat. And if paying bills was an issue, it wasn't an issue that we knew about as children. I'm sure there were struggles, but I didn't see them. In fact, I know there were struggles because my mom has talked to me about it since and how she's kind of grateful that we didn't know what was going on behind the scenes because my parents always made sure that our needs were met, there was food on the table, and that we knew we were safe, loved, and cared for. So if you don't know our story, in 2008, I lost my job and my husband took a pay cut in the same day. And this is how I lost my job. Here's some tea for you. We, I was working in a newspaper. I was a reporter. We went to work and we were told by our publisher, your paychecks are no good. Take your computers home in lieu of payment. We have no money to pay you. So I packed up my iMac that was on my desk and all the other contents of my desk. And I went home and my husband was there. And I said, hey, babe, I got fired today. The company closed. And he said, hey, babe, I took a $7 an hour pay cut today. It was a very scary time in our lives. When that happened, we had no emergency fund, no savings, nothing. We ended up having to short sell our house. It was a whole ordeal. And after that, we decided, hey, we should probably get our financial selves together and get out of debt and not ever go through this again. And so after we went through that financial disaster in our 20s, we decided to embrace simplicity and frugality. And we did so untriggered by the burden of childhood scarcity. At least I did. I was unburdened by it. My husband had a different childhood than I did. And I've seen him eyeball that pantry. I've seen him look when that pantry gets low. And I think, well, I'll just make a grocery list and go to the store and he has those old childhood scars that kind of swell up inside of him. And that plays a huge role in how we manage money. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm in no position to diagnose a person, but our current habits are absolutely colored by our past. Overbuying groceries and making sure you have a stockpiled pantry could be the result of food scarcity as a child. Being unable to talk to a partner about money without fear of an argument might be the result of hearing adults fight about money as a child. And feeling immense guilt for spending money might be because money was used as a means of control or manipulation. So if you're carrying around the scars of growing up in a household that struggled, don't compare yourself to the people you see around you because you are still healing. So when you struggle to budget or you struggle within your budget to allow yourself spending money and you can't figure out why on earth is it so hard for me to spend money on myself or why do I feel so guilty after I spend money on myself, there's probably a reason behind it. 
This also reminds me of something that I heard on NPR recently. It was a really interesting report. Amanda Clayman is a financial therapist, and she was talking about how money in relationships and talking about money openly in relationships is a form of intimacy. And again, I'm not a therapist, but if you struggle with being able to have open and honest conversations, if you struggle in areas of intimacy, talking openly about money may be one of them. I thought this report was so interesting and I will link it in the show notes, but she said something I think we've all known for years, that money arguments are rarely about money. She said that arguments often reveal something much deeper that needs to be addressed. And this is something that I've said for years. So my husband and I did not fight about money when we were going through our financial disaster. And when we were getting out of debt, we didn't fight about it because we rarely talked about it prior to everything blowing up in our faces. And we realized that if we wanted to have a good relationship, both with money and a good relationship with one another, this was something within our relationship that we needed to talk about and do so in a way that was very gracious towards one another, not accusing, not dragging up past mistakes. We've all made mistakes with money. No one is a perfect little money angel, but not talking about that was an aspect of our relationship that we were not allowing to heal and grow. But in the report, she went on to talk about how when we treat money conversations as just a casual conversation, it takes away the pressure. So the more you talk about it, the more casual it gets, the less awkward it gets, and the easier it gets. And one of the ways that you can do that by, you know, creating a casual money conversation is to just take some time every day to have a money minute where you log into your bank account and you make sure that everything is cleared and that there there's nothing erroneous happening in your account and that it's updated in your budgeting app or your spreadsheet or whatever it is you're using. And then communicate that to your partner. Hey, did you see that this bill cleared? Or hey, we're waiting for this bill to come out. So be careful this week if you need to go to the store. Just make it part of your everyday conversation. And decide from the get-go that you're not going to be accusatory to your partner in the words that you use about money. Another tip that I have is to talk about your dreams together. Talk about your goals together. We recently went on a big family road trip. We went out west to Yellowstone and it was magical. And the whole time we were gone, every state we went into, we thought, why don't we live here? Why don't we live here? Why don't we live here? Like, why do we live where we live? It's so flat and humid. And so we joked about, hey, we should move out here and then keep our house in the south for uh, the winter when it's cold up here. And the more we talked about it, the more of a reality it kind of became in our heads. And we're we're still talking about it. It's kind of our daydream. Like, let's go build a cabin in South Dakota and live there. And then when it gets cold, we'll just go back home for a little bit. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but it's our daydream. And we talk about what we need to do financially to make that goal a reality. If you struggle to casually talk about money with your partner, I have a few tips that have been helpful for me because I am the person that doesn't want to talk about it. I don't want to be bossed around. I don't want your suggestions. Just leave me alone. But that's not always how life works. So here are my tips from a reluctant budgeter on what to do 
when you live and budget with a reluctant budgeter. Tip number one is set a time limit. Commit to keeping your budget meeting or discussion 30 minutes or less. The brain cannot absorb what the butt cannot endure. So if you want a non-budget committal partner to stick around when you're sitting at that table, having that conversation, get to the point. Number two, it is a partnership, not a dictatorship. If one of you shows up to the table ready to fight, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to end well. Don't accuse, don't bully, be kind, remind yourself we are a team, we are for each other, and we want to see one another win. Number three, be ready to listen. You have goals and ideas and things you want. That's great. Guess what? So does your partner. Ask them what they want to see happen. Number four, limit description. Number four, limit distractions. Don't have your meeting in the living room with Ted Lasso playing in the background. It's a great show, but not the time. And if you have kids, wait till they're in bed and, you know, go to the dining table, go sit in the car, go on the front porch, wherever it is you need to be to be alone. Number five, have your tools ready to go. Your notebook, your spreadsheet, your budgeting app, whatever it is you need. If your main If you're the main budgeter, if you're the person who lays out the budget, have it all laid out and ready, but be prepared to make adjustments. Okay, that's it. And remember, if every money discussion you have leads to a fight, it's important to understand that your issue is not about money. A good budget isn't going to fix the lack of mutual respect in your relationship. And it may be that you have to get down to the root cause of your fights in therapy. It's continuing to impact your relationship. Okay. I hope these tips have been helpful to you. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. Thank you for your support in this podcast. I would love it if wherever it is you're listening, you would leave a review. That is how people find us. Also tag me on Instagram. If you're listening, you know, do a screenshot of the app where you're listening and Share it with your friends and then tag me in it. I would love to see it. You can find me on Instagram at Lydia Sin and you can find uh, this podcast frugaldebtfreelife.com. All right. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much and I'll see you soon.